Welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast, the podcast in which Stephen Altrogi, Barnabas Piper, and Ted Cluck cheerfully rant about all the things that don't matter all that much. And now, buckle up for today's episode. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Happy Rant Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by Barnabas Piper and, uh, and Ron Martin. Uh, gentlemen, how are you? Doing pretty well, hanging in there, waiting for the holidays. Yeah, waiting for the holidays. And uh, and Ronnie, I know you, I know the holidays are uh, are a huge deal for you, man. How's uh, how's Christmas prep looking in the Martin household? I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't think I'm waiting for the holidays like Piper. I mean, they, they have come upon us. Family is is out. Um, merriment is being made. I mean, we are in the throes of it right now as I speak. Now I have to tell you, Ronnie, and I, and this this may come as sort of a uh, a confrontation in love or, uh, or, or just sort of a, an alert. I think something, something strange happened yesterday between the three of us uh, in that I think a teenage girl must have hijacked your phone and texted Barnabas and I a video from Facebook of like a, I don't know, like a, like a big cat, like batting around a little cat. It you was, know what I mean? it was yeah. like an angry Tomcat punching yeah. a stuffed tiger. And I thought, oh, isn't that strange that uh, either a 12-year-old girl or like a 65-year-old woman hijacked my friend's phone? Well, Ronnie did say he has family in town. Could it have been his mother? No, I mean, honestly, guys, I mean, it was – I mean, I, I hate to say this, and, I, and this might be the last time I'm, I'm part of this broadcast, but it was actually this uh, – it was a little go-between between, uh, you know, Big M and I and, uh, you know, just posting some funny cat videos – and just finding some hilarity in it and just wanting to share that with you boys and trying to see where your masculinity lies and how secure it really is. So I just I threw that out there. It was a test because I want to see if you guys would pass the test. And, and did we pass the test? Were you, were you well, pleased with the reaction? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I feel like I'm just getting the reaction right now. So I'm afraid okay. to give you my summation of the, okay. whole, the whole ordeal. Yeah. Well, okay. the, uh, the angry Tomcat did throw a really mean right jab and had a real good hand speed. I'll give him that. There you go. I mean, Ted, I just felt like for a, for a dude that loves boxing, I mean, that should have yeah. been like massively impressive to you. Well, dude, and, and here's the other thing, man. I mean, I, I actually love cats too. I'm a huge cat person. Oh, I didn't think you were a cat guy, Big T. Uh, of course I'm a cat guy. I, uh, I, I, I actually think cats are like the perfect, the perfect things, man. They, they require nothing. Um, yes. but, but yet they're, they're there, they're ready to be affectionate, but they're eminently respectable. Like have, I, I, have I you ever owned a cat? I have, man. I got I've, woken I've up cats. by a cat four times last night. That's worse than a baby. Mm. Yeah, but it's always better than a dog. And I think that's really the main mm, point. That is I think that's the main point. Utterly false. Dude, they're clean. They're aloof. They don't need anything. They're like the best kinds of people. You know what I and mean? And you have to, yeah. And you Why have would to, anybody you have to want earn their affection? No, right? you, you can't earn, earn their, their affection. affection. They they give their affection when they feel like it. They're a uh, they're like evil dictators who function on a whim. They're like Joffrey from Game of Thrones. They just sort of get a crazy <laughs> idea and then do it, and then they try to kill something. And why would anybody want a pet that won't come when you call it? Like, what's mm, the I, point? I just don't want a pet that slobbers on me, smells bad, and yeah. um, you know, kind of hops around. 
like a cartoon character with absolutely zero intelligence. I, you, I just you just described raising little boys. You know, that's <laughs> kind of what that's. <laughs> yeah, well, Ronnie raised a girl, so he he doesn't know about that. But that just means you're getting the wrong kind of dog or your friends have had the wrong kind of dog or they don't know how to train a dog. I mean, they do hop around. They get excited. But dogs are really, really trainable as long as you don't get like one of those little dust mop things. Like Only dog owners say that. And every dog I've ever been around in my life lunges at me to – destroy me and then every dog owner replies this and i quote that's so strange he never does that oh yeah oh well i mean never does that i don't know that i ever said that about any any of the dogs that i owned at any point that oh they never do that mainly because they never lunged at anybody now they never met you ronnie so you might be the exception piper i hate to say this but dogs should not be domestic animals brother they well, should not. Well, be cats cats animals. are not domestic animals. They are wild animals who are who have just basically decided, "Oh, this is a warm place to sleep." They're behaved though. They have dignity, the, they have respect. The, they're behaved. They, they do have dignity and respect. I they're agree. behaved because they're <laughs> small enough that they can't kill you. If a cat was 45 pounds, you would be dead. Oh, absolutely. And there's something inherently Amazing that I respect about that process right there. I do too. <sighs> I do too. Guys, can I just say two words to you right now to sort of segue into our next uh, into our next transition here? Merry Christmas. Okay. Well, there, there you have it from host of the program, Ronnie Martin. With uh, <laughs> that's a good radio segue right there. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, guys, we have uh, we do have a lot to talk about today, and we're we're uh, going to kind of truncate this episode a little bit. Uh, in hopes of uh, of squeezing in another episode uh, here in the studio, but uh, one of the one of the huge things that's happening uh, culturally right now, fellas, is uh, I hear uh, through the grapevine that there's a new Star Wars movie um, out or uh, about to be out. I actually don't know uh, really the the ins and outs of that, but uh, the Force Awakens is a huge thing. There are people uh, camping out, paying an ungodly amount of money for tickets. And, uh, this is something, uh, guys that I just don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't like the star Wars movies. Um, I, I have nothing against them in the sense that, you know, I hope it does well. I hope people enjoy it, but I, I just can't, I, I, I don't really do movies that happen in space. That's just kind of a personal, you know, thing of mine. So, Big T, uh, I did not know that. I think I, I feel like that's fascinating for me to even find that out about you. I yeah, feel I'm like not, I should have known that, but it's it's really interesting. You don't do you, you don't do sci-fi, huh? I don't do sci-fi, I don't do space. Really the, the only space movie I've ever liked was uh uh Apollo thirteen, the uh, the old the old Tom Hanks movie. And that's just very loosely about space, you know. In, in yeah, it, space is just like a it just happens to be in well, space. It wasn't really, science fiction, it was it was more like a Historical account or a yes. biopic than anything. Yeah, it, it it's was like an space just made a cameo appearance in a space made a cameo, time. but really it was yeah, it was all the real stuff. It was wasn't in. the final frontier, as they say. Right, it wasn't. Right. Yeah, it wasn't like Luke. I am your father. I mean, it wasn't any of that sort of lore. You know? Dude, the last kind of space movie I saw was uh, oh, was the one with Matthew McConaughey where he's like hurtling through Interstellar. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I thought the first half was really good. Yeah, very again loosely about space, really. Yeah, not, loosely you know. about it wasn't so much about space, which I think See, is why. I when I hear enough people describe a movie as like mind blowing and confusing, it just it mm-hmm. that wasn't a selling point. I never saw Interstellar because people it's not like, that great to it, be honest. Yeah, everybody was just like, man, it was so confusing. I had to watch it four times. I'm like, that's not a selling point. I want to go in and get my two hours worth of fun and leave. That's what I'm going for in a movie. 
So, so Piper, are you now? Are you on the uh, Force Awakens bandwagon then? Uh, I mean, not not in the go dress up in costumes and wait overnight for a movie theater thing, but I will definitely see it. I have seen all of the other ones growing up. I loved the the original three, uh, whatever those are, episodes four, five, and six. The the real ones, the episodes one, yeah. two, and three were yeah. all horrific. So I'm going to pretend like they don't they don't exist, and I'm going to do my best not to show them to my kids. Um, but I'll go see it because I mean, in large part because JJ Abrams is involved and he does really fun movies. So I'm assuming that he can do something really cool with this one as well. He was a super eight guy, right? Did he do super eight? I think so. He also which did is a phenomenal movie. It is phenomenal. I absolutely love it. He did the two most recent star Trek movies, which again, Ted, not your cup of tea, but also very fun movies. Even if you weren't a Trekkie, which I never was, like I didn't really know the original star Trek. These were just, these were fun sci-fi movies. Yeah. They kind of, it, it sort of brought back the It sort of brought back that franchise in a respectable way for sure. Now, Big R, are you a space guy? You know, I, I'm not like a like. So for me, I'm I'm uh, I'm selective about it. I don't just yeah. like it because it's sci-fi. You know, there's those people out there that it's just it's like anything that sort of reeks of sci-fi, they immediately dive after it. That's not really me. But I did grow up with the Star Wars movies, so there is a little bit of romance to them. And sure. this one, having all sort sort of the you know the old characters kind of come back and recast. I mean, I definitely have a high level of interest, but I'm like Piper, man. I'm not, I mean, I'm not one of these dudes that, you know, bought advanced tickets two months ago and, you know, you know, going on eBay, trying to find extra tickets for five or 600 bucks a pop just yeah. so I can get there on Friday night and camp out with my lightsaber. I mean, that's just, well, you have I a just, lightsaber. I, Where did you get that? <laughs> I want one. I mean, that's kind of, I'm with you, Ted. That's kind of what I don't, I don't, I wouldn't understand that about any movie. Yeah. Like in the sense that like I have to be there opening night because yeah. I just feel like I'm just going to pretend that opening night for me is a week from this Friday. That's there my opening night. That's that my seems reasonable. I, right. I, I'm curious. I, movies are, are not a social event. You go and you sit in a dark theater and you forget that right. there are people on either side of you and the entire experience happens on the screen and through the speakers. So what is it about opening – day or opening night that makes it so phenomenal it is the exact same movie in two and a half weeks or in the cheap theater in about you know six or eight weeks when i can you know i can take my kids and spend this you know get three tickets for the price of you know the original one or whatever i i don't understand the whole freak out about opening night thing and that's true for almost any movie i haven't been to an opening night movie since i was in college i don't think yeah, yeah see, I, think- I think the general public, so I, I avoid those things. Like, uh, like, like here's a <laughs> here's a here's a kind of conceptual question for you guys. Um, and and Big R, something you uh, you said kind of kind of spurred this for me. If if you were to dress up like a character in Star Wars, like if you had to for some reason, like who would it be, and why? I mean, gosh, I don't even. I mean, it's embarrassing to even try to think about something like that because I just feel like that whole. I mean, I'm so, I'm so not part of that whole like Comic Con, like you right. know, I'm not, I, yeah, just you know those geek out like you know comic book fans that like you know, you know World of Warcraft. I just, I so don't get that whole concept or or that whole mentality of like I want to look like one of the characters because that somehow is going to enhance my movie going experience. Right. But since you asked, yeah. Um, 
Dude, I don't know. I've literally never thought about it. I mean, obviously, <laughs> since you asked, I will. I will do you the solid of not, not answering, answering. That's right. I, will. I mean, look, if I if I have to be, you know, I have to have a little self respect. If I mean, if somebody put, you know, I mean, look, if if Jerry Falwell Jr. put a gun in my hand and then t- told me to put it to my head, <laughs> only if you're a, a, a Liberty University student would he do that. And yeah, there was a radicalized so Muslim. I, I would, uh, I, you know, I would have to pick a Luke Skywalker or a Han Solo because I don't know but, what else I would. But do. But here's the know. thing. Han Solo has already been taken by every woman between the age of 20 and 35 because you have the vest, the riding boots, the the fitted <laughs> pants. I mean, it is yeah. the uniform of of, of autumn, autumn and I early mean, winter. We? Well, no, because <laughs> he did the combat boots, not like the knee height boots. Oh, so, gotcha. No, yeah. seriously, go if you go look at Han Solo and you go look at women's fashion of like like sort of yuppie women. Okay. Uh, he he has been claimed. So you can take ah. Luke. You can't do. Uh, you you can't take uh, Han Solo. Sorry. You know, man. I'm looking at my wife right now, and you're right. She's she's literally she is Han Solo. She's dressed exactly like Han right now. That's fantastic. That's fascinating. Can, uh, can Big M hear us? No, she can't hear us. But she she's wearing a black vest, black boots, black pants tucked into her boots, and she's getting ready to hop on a on a mm. horse that's uh, decorated like an X-wing fighter. I'm yeah, totally right. joking right now. <laughs> Tell, uh, tell about everything the except the horse. You were serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Guys, uh, I'm just trying to lighten the mood after our after our just our after our little you know, tiff, the, the introduction that just the, yeah, after threatened the, yeah. to cancel but, the entire. But broadcast. listeners love tension, so oh, you know okay. the the fact that we can we don't even have to we don't even have to like formulate it. It just happens. That's if that listeners is, love tension, then we need to just bring Al Trogi back, and I'll just I'll just sink back into the you know the, the background. <laughs> no, you're you're doing just fine generating tension. <laughs> Keep talking about Christmas and cats, and we can fight all year long. Oh, fantastic. Oh, wow. There it is, man. There it is. Well, uh, guys, speaking of, of tension, uh, there's been some tension in kind of, uh, I guess you could say, broader uh, evangelicalism of late in that, uh, again, Big R, you alluded to this. So Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, of Liberty University has, uh, has, I guess, said that he he wants all of his students to be strapped. So he wants all the, all the Liberty kids uh, carrying guns around. Uh, am I right, Barnabas? Am I or, getting this right? Or at least to have the option. He wants to, to allow conceal and carry on campus at Liberty University. Uh, so it's it's not like you know some colleges where you enroll and they give you a MacBook. You know, at Liberty they're going to give you like a GAT. You know, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, you enroll and you get some some handgun, and you know yeah, you probably right. probably get one that's sort of personalized to your you know your yeah. grip. You know what you what can you get can a skin handle for it. You yeah. know. You can get a Walther. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch yeah. of options, yeah. um, but he said this specifically in the context of of the shooting in San Bernardino, where he said he basically said we need to shoot them before they shoot us. Speaking of mm-hmm. radicalized Muslims, and so he mm-hmm. wants college mm-hmm. students to be armed should someone come on campus, and uh, that sounds like about the dumbest idea I've ever heard because I've met college students before. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, he's never spent any time around college boys. You know, I, th- I think the last thing you want to give that that people group is a firearm. You know? <laughs> they're just going to go around shooting out light bulbs and stuff. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> they're going to do like high noon in the dorm hallways. Oh, dude, Big R, what do you uh, what do you what do you make of all this? I don't know. I just man, I, I always cringe because I feel like whenever we see whenever we see these people that are sort of in some bizarro way representing any form of evangelicalism. I, it's just so cringy 
because you, there's a part of you that just wants to like like stand up on a mountain and hold up a sign that says I'm not with him. Yeah. You know. But then you end up like that BuzzFeed I'm a Christian but thing that was viral, you know, a month or two ago where it was people trying to disassociate themselves from Christianity and so you can't be the guy you're you're wanting to be. Well, you can't. Right. But you yeah, can't be with him. Yeah, I'm not saying let's resurrect either. the emergent church and have Ted write, you know, part 2. I'm just saying <laughs> Actually, like Actually, let's there, do that. That that worked out very well for me. <laughs> there has to be a mid, there has to be some sort of a of a middle ground. We can again, call it. We can call it common denominator. We can call it why we weren't emergent. Yeah, right. There you go. It's a post. It's a postscript. Dude, I love yeah. it. I love the postscript. Let's get some people on the phone, man. Let's make this happen. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what? So let me understand because I, you know, I only, I just sort of read, I just sort of skirted the story like a lot of people did. And so, why was he? What? Why was he advocating that for college students in particular? Well, I think because, you know, there's there's been shootings and stabbings on college campuses. You know, there's there's been sort of a a rise in these these public mass attacks. And then there was the you know, there was the one that sort of tipped everything out in, out in California or at least tipped these comments. And so he he basically sees radicalized Muslims as an imminent threat. And he feels that the best way to uh, to fend them off or to protect the campus is to allow students to be armed and to defend themselves. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a microcosm of the larger gun control argument. He's just putting it on a college campus, which makes it sound sort of more ridiculous. And then he's bathing it, but because he's the, the president or provost or whatever the heck he is of a, of a Christian institution, it sort of has that, that sanctified spin on it of like, this is a Christian viewpoint Right. This when is an rea- official thing. When in yeah. reality, it just sounds like the NRA's viewpoint to me. I mean, it's not it, – it, it, it is in no way tied to the Christian faith. It is a – if anything, it, you, you could call it a, a practical viewpoint, but I don't think it's terribly practical at all. I think arming everybody just makes everybody more likely to get shot or to pull a Barney Fife and shoot themselves in the foot. Well, <laughs> I mean – and then so is there anything – we were talking about this off the air a little bit, but is there any – I mean, is is there anything to the fact that we got Falwell Jr. that sounds eerily like his uh, his old man? You know, I'm, just saying ridiculous things. I'm pretty sure. Remind as, me, what was his old man famous for saying? Well, he was the he was the religious right guy. So he, you know, he sort of he he wanted to create sort of a Christian nation state. You know, make the United right. States a, a true Christian nation. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So just he he blended politics and religion in this like super tight. Thing. So it wasn't sort of like we're a Christian nation loosely, you know, or founded on Christian principles or whatever. I mean, he he wanted Christians to, to run the country and sort of make a theocracy almost. Yeah, I mean, Matt Falwell was foot in mouth, I mean, of the worst, you know, mm. of the worst kind, you know, for years and years. It's It was unbelievable. But, I mean, but, right, right alongside this was, uh, was Franklin Graham saying – at one point, and he may have backed off of this, so I don't, I don't want to misrepresent him, but he definitely said at one point that we should not allow any more Muslims to immigrate to the United States uh, or be refugees, as the case may be. And so, I mean, he's just drawing a tight line there, and and I feel like that one, that one's like the opposite of his old man because Billy Graham stood for religious liberty. You know, the right. he he understood the principles of we all need to have religious liberty and then we need to put the gospel forth as the one true hope for the world. And uh and Franklin on the other hand is just saying no Muslims and that just that seems 
So you, you've got Jerry Falwell Jr., who, who seems to be running in the track of his old man, and you've got Franklin, who seems to be going counter to his his father. And, I mean, as somebody who often gets compared to my dad, I don't I don't really want to hold either of them up against their dads because it's, it's not really fair to them, even though I'm sure that it's happened to them their whole life. I just want to sure. look at the statements on their own merit or complete lack thereof in both cases. Pipe, let me ask you this, man. Where does, uh, where does John Piper fall on the whole gun thing? Is, is he a gun owner? Is he a gun enthusiast? <laughs> he, uh, he, <laughs> he's no, a hunter. He's not a, he's not yeah. a gun owner, but I mean, he's the first time I ever shot a gun was with him. I mean, he, okay. so he, he's not, he's not anti the existence of guns. I yeah. have heard him say privately that he thinks it is, he thinks the argument that a gun is for self-defense is foolish because in his opinion and in his observation, and I would tend to agree with this, guns escalate conflict. They do not eliminate sure. conflict, um, generally speaking. I mean, and I think you could make the same case in the, all of the police violence that's happened too. I mean, you can't shoot somebody with a gun you don't have. And so, you know, guns tend, guns escalate issues. They don't eliminate issues. And people who say otherwise probably – I mean, people who keep guns for for self-protection – usually keep them locked in a safe apart from the ammo. Sure. Which means that when somebody breaks into the house, guns yeah, not going to be a whole lot of good. there's a lot of steps that have to happen yeah. before hey, you. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Would you would you hang on right over there while I go try to remember my combination, pull this thing out, get the ammo out of the other cabinet, load it yeah. up, and then press play on this again, and I, and I will try to do You know, I myself. found that intruders will usually give you that kind of respect, though. They'll, they'll, know, they'll give they you that courtesy. You yeah, know. I think they will. I, I really I have a lot of faith in that. In that <laughs> and I, I realize... Having, are you a gun guy, Ronnie? Am I a gun guy? Yeah, you, you don't strike me as one. I'm just saying, though, now that you live in the Midwest, now that you live in sort of the, the breadbasket of gun-owning America, I wondered I if— I mean, that's uh, putting it loosely, but yeah, I mean, it's—yeah, uh, you know, it's so funny. I was having a conversation about this last night with my brother-in-law, and I just—gosh, this is probably going to get me into some kind of trouble, but I, oh, I'm I already there. Don't have worry. very little opinion of the whole gun debate. I mean— have guns, don't have guns. I, I mean, I just, I feel like the, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I just can't fall into one radical end of, of either side of the debate. I just, I haven't really, uh, it just really falls out of my level of, of interest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to, I'll, uh, I'll just keep it right there. I'll keep it and, right down the line. And I realize having a conservative evangelical audience for the most part, I'm sure I pissed somebody off by oh, saying what I just sure. said. And, but here's the thing. I'm, I'm not advocating the government taking away everybody's guns. I, I'm just saying that most of the arguments for owning guns are stupid. So uh, the action that needs to happen, I have no idea. I don't know how to solve the issues that are facing, but I do know that I have not heard a convincing argument for why somebody needs an AR-15 in their house. Or Parker, that's so University. funny where you just say like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm probably making somebody angry. I just think all the laws and all the arguments are stupid. Oh, there <laughs> well, you I go. Mean, there it, you have. It wasn't really an apology. It was just an acknowledgement that somebody's angry. Like, I hear you. I understand. I know yeah. your feelings. And I stand by what I said. Yeah. So guys, so get, get angry at Piper. Any, any gun enthusiasts that uh, come on and and want to want to tweet about you know something offensive that was said on the show? And I, well, and I, Ron, and I, you, you know, in uh, in the reform circles we run in, man, guns are these these folks love their guns, dude. I mean, church service is like a you know it's like the OK Corral, you know, <laughs> so everybody true. walking in strapped to the gills. That's a, Certainly in the Midwest, right? Everybody's a concealed carrier. So you oh, just, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, here there's in Ten- a lot of Tennessee. In it, man. A lot oh, of yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy here in Tennessee too. I mean, I'm about 
three weeks after we moved here, we took our kids to like this pumpkin patch or something. And, uh, and I, I walk into the gift shop and there's just a guy in like jeans and a t-shirt with a revolver on his hip. I mean, it was, <laughs> and, and having moved from Chicago who had not yet legalized, you know, conceal and carry, or in this case, not at all concealed and carry, uh, I was, I was very thrown off, but then it just became normal. Yeah. I mean, it's like in church and the grocery store and the gas station everywhere except work because they don't allow guns here. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, excuse me, Wyatt Earp, while I, uh, you know, grab a, a, a box of cereal. That's crazy, man. That's just crazy. Well, uh, guys, let's uh, let's land this episode with a little bit of a, a little bit of a lighter topic compared to uh, guns on campus. Uh, and that is the uh, the issue of gluttony. Uh, we're moving into the holiday season where uh, we're eating and um, in, in some cases drinking is uh, is a big deal. And um you know, somebody posed the question, probably uh, a listener, uh, why, why is gluttony like the acceptable sin for evangelicals? Why can we sort of, you know, wistfully lean back in our chairs and, and sort of, you know, pat our ample bellies and kind of uh, reflect on how much we've eaten in a, in a yuck yuck sort of way? Um, I, I have to admit, I haven't given this a ton of thought because I haven't, you know, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I love to eat. Um, I love food. My wife's a baker. So... Um, but I've never felt, I guess, personally convicted on this issue of, of gluttony. I guess when I've had a, a big, great meal, I've just sort of thanked the Lord for it and enjoyed it and reflected on how awesome it was and kind of left it at that. Guys, is this a case of, of again, kind of young reformdom trying to, like, you know, name a sin and sort of make everybody miserable? Or is it <laughs> is it a real thing? Well, I, I mean, I think, I think gluttony is a real thing. I think... My, I, if I was going to try to define gluttony, because I think that's the hardest part. Is it? Is it just eating too much? Is it eating mm-hmm. a lot? What is it? I feel yeah. like gluttony is using food to cover up something else. You know, cover up some pain, cover up some insecurity, cover up some something. And so, I mean, sitting down at a at a delicious meal at Christmas or Thanksgiving and eating until you can't take another bite is not gluttony. Making a habit of that. In part because you're just, just terribly unhealthy, that would be gluttony. I mean, I think the, the I think the question comes from the place that you just never hear this addressed. No pastor yeah. will talk about it. Now, granted, a lot of pastors have a fair belly hanging over their belts and love their fried chicken, so uh, nobody <laughs> likes to talk about the sins that they obviously struggle with. But right. um, I think uh, I, I think it. I don't think it's trying to stir anything up. I think it's more like, hey, this was listed as one of like the seven deadly sins. Like this is a biblical thing. So I, I, think you, I think you make a great point, though, of and, and this totally makes sense to me on a sin level, like using something, whatever it is, whether it's food or or, or whatever, to to sort of self-medicate and to kind of mask, you know, whatever's whatever's deficient in you spiritually or whatever's going on in your life. I think, you know, I think that is a real thing. And, and you know, that is probably worth uh, discussion. Big R, what's your take on this? One? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I wish I could disagree. I, it's a it's definitely like a. Uh, it's a lifestyle sin, I think, rather than just uh, enjoying a meal, maybe doing some occasional overeating. Yeah, for some reason, though, I'm with both of you guys. It just doesn't fall under one of what I would say the voodoo evangelical sins, sort mm-hmm. of like the uh, the sins that shall not be named, you know. Right. And like I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't know why that is. I think I think drawing the line, like Piper said, is a little hard to do. Like what is like, like some of us are just bigger men, bigger women than other people. 
So like our line of what gluttony might be is going to be radically different than another person's. And again, I think it's, I don't think it's so much even a, like what Piper was saying. It's not really so much of a weight thing, is it? It's more of like a, it's yeah. more of how drawn we are in our affection towards what we're consuming. Right. It's like an idolatry and, thing almost. You know, what, how much are we staking on this thing? I mean, so you could have a super skinny person who absolutely. always drowns their sorrows in Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Like Ben yeah, and Jerry's like is their medicine. I like to think of myself as that guy, <laughs> B-Pipe. I like to think of myself as a really skinny guy that drowns his sorrows in Ben and Jerry's, to be and quite frank with you. I think the thing that makes food sinful is the same thing that makes alcohol sinful. It's not consuming it. It's over consuming it or consuming it in place of something healthier. So for example, if you're really depressed and you turn to the bottle, that's very obviously a poor decision, but it's not a better decision to turn to a bag of Hershey's kisses or, you know, or like fried chicken, comfort food. I mean, it's called comfort food for a reason, but it's not the right and sole way to find comfort. And I think the, the hard thing to, to define here is most sins that we like to talk about as Christians are ones that are black and white. So the resolution to drinking for a lot of conservative Christians is don't drink tobacco, don't smoke. You can't say don't eat. It doesn't right. work. So let's well, just yeah, not talk but about isn't that. that because they're, but see, the thing is though with alcohol, you can make the argument that it's, it's mind altering, you know, eat, like having that, having that extra burger is not like altering your mind in sort of a way that that causes you to not think right. And, you know, I, and, and sit. yeah, the alcohol is like itself physiologically escapist, you know, it's a, it's, it's allowing a, you it's to, it's a drug. Yeah. It's a drug. It's allowing you to get away. It's allowing you to, 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 you know, dull the pain or what happened. So I think when we go back in the church and we see why those things sort of rose to prominence as being like, those are the sort of the sins of the world that we're going to stay away from. I don't think anybody thought that like having like, you know, an extra large fry as opposed to a small fry was in any way going to like, you know, alter your perception and the way that you're, you're able to like worship the Lord because, you know, you're, uh, you're intoxicated. Isn't there also, and I'm not, I'm not, arguing with you. I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's like a one-to-one connection between consuming too much uh too much alcohol and the effect on your mind. Um but I think I think with everything we know about health and fitness now and trying to just take care of one's body, couldn't you make a similar kind of argument for food that if you know the consequences of consistently overeating or consistently eating the wrong things, and I am by no means a health food nut. I mean, I'm not even a little bit. I try to limit my calorie intake to something less than unholy, but that's about the best I can do. So, but I mean, if you know that isn't consistently killing the fast food or consistently eating sweets, like, isn't, isn't there something in that, that you're just going, you're not taking care of what God gave you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what I, does is I think what you've done is you've like de-simplified it. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, it, it, it definitely goes deeper. It's more complex. I think what we're getting at is what the heart desires, the heart goes after the most and it really doesn't matter what it is. It just, it's just gluttony and food and overeating. It's just not something that you're going to hear uh, you know, Matt Chandler do a 10-week sermon series on. Right. Now, now, I will say, in, in light of all this, I want listeners to walk away feeling good. And uh, so if your heart is, is guilt-free, crush you some Christmas cookies and eat a big dinner. So, I mean, you, you enjoy your holidays. Don't, do not make us – do not let us make you feel guilty about killing your Christmas dinner. Guys, you heard it here, man. Barnabas Piper said, eat to your heart's content this holiday season. There it is. And guys, we need to be good stewards of, uh, of what we've been given, which is this, uh, 
this airtime that we have, this precious time together, gentlemen. So uh, I'm going to draw this. Close in prayer. Yeah, we, we should. If, if you guys would, would bow your heads in front of your computers, uh, that would be great. Actually, don't do that. Let's, uh, let's just say that we've wandered to and fro and Rachel the Held Evans. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 